Father, we want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you for your presence in the midst of your people once again. And we thank you that, Lord, you will speak to us the words of life that we need this morning. That in these last days we will take hold of it. So that, Lord, none other thing may be more important to us. Awaken us to that. And give us the spirits of wisdom and revelation and the understanding of Jesus. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, come with me to the book of John chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 27 through 30. John 10, 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amazing piece of text. And there's something very assuring and reassuring about the words of Jesus to his followers, to whom he considers his sheep. Amen. And when we think about eternal life, It's not often that we understand what it means because I have heard Christians think of it as a place but it's more than a place. This morning when I was talking to Pastor Tori, he got a word from the Lord last evening about eternal life and what he must do to gain it. And I thought, what a confirmation. I never told him that's what I'm going to talk about. And I pondered on this message and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why is it that you want to talk about it now? And he said, because the time is such that my people must hear my voice. And they must hear what I have been saying for ages and through the ages. And many are not listening and many are not obeying. Many are not even understanding. And you know, it's possible for you to believe something and be entirely wrong in that faith. You could have fashioned your life around it. You could have even seen results from it. But it's not from God. And it's it's very, very sad indictment on the church today that those things are prevalent that kind of thinking where what they say and what they teach is not from the Word of God. And it's not merely a written Word of God that we are seeing, we're speaking the spirit life of the Word that comes out of the written text. And only that is valid, only that makes absolute sense in a dark and evil world and generation. 
So when we talk about eternal life, there are many concepts, there are many thoughts about it. The words eternal and everlasting pretty much mean the same thing. But the word eternity does not mean the same thing. Okay, there was a man in Sydney up to 1967 who for 35 years walked around the city writing the word eternity using a chalk piece on the pavements around Sydney. For 35 years he wrote just one word and eventually they put that word up on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and everybody could see that word eternity. He wanted, I probably want, he probably wanted people to think about eternity. But the more I thought about it, he said he did not speak about eternal life. But he was a petty thief, an alcoholic, uh, a guy who had been in the army and he had been saved. And obviously he wanted to get this message across to people. Hey, listen, you're leaving this earth into another realm called eternity. And have you thought about it? Have you wondered where you are going from this place? So the Lord is very, you know, impressed that in these last days we need to understand what eternal life is. Because otherwise you might seek it in the wrong way. Or you might assure yourself that you have eternal life when you don't have it. And I want to break that thing over us this morning. So that we understand that we do have it. And then when we know that we do have it, that we absorb it, that we eat it, we take it into our spirit and let it work in us so that it might become eternal life. Amen. Amen. Let us go to John chapter 17 and try to understand what does eternal life mean. And as I said to you, eternity is a state. It is not it is a state of timeless being. Okay? It's, it's not eternal life. It's a state of timeless being. But eternal life in John chapter 17 verse 3 is explained to us as and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So here we see that eternal life is about a person and the person as in the person of God manifest in Christ Jesus. So that's why in the earlier passage that we read Jesus says I and my father are one. So eternal life was not manifest but then was manifested in the person of Christ and then offered to us. But it was never offered before He came. The law did not allow for eternal life. If you did not believe, you did not have eternal life. So after Christ came, if you do not believe, you do not have eternal life. This is why you need to believe in the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, He must be a manifest being to you. He must be a person to you. Not an object, not an idol, not somebody in the distant 
future or in the in the heavens that you cannot see. He has to be manifest. That's why God sent him to the earth, so that God could be manifested in flesh. Hallelujah. Now when he is alive and he is in you, you have eternal life. Somebody recently asked me, what is the assurance of salvation because you're always talking in the negative. I said the only assurance of salvation that we have is Christ in us. That is all. But if we go to methodologies and say by grace are you saved through faith, so once you get saved, you don't worry about Christ. Right? So you go and do whatever you want to do. But Christ is not joining you in those activities of fornication, drugs, alcohol, lies, deceptions, robbing, cheating, lying. So how can Christ be you? So don't use a methodology to say that you are saved. Okay? It is only the Christ in you. It is the living Christ in you. The one who lives in you and wants to live. So you've got to accommodate him. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 onwards that God is creating a habitation. Sorry, the two onwards. He said he's creating a habitation for the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we, we have been given the Holy Spirit to live in us for the purposes of creating a habitation. It is not yet complete. We are being perfected. We are being brought into the image of Jesus Christ. We all have faults and we all make mistakes. But over a period of time, grace works through faith to bring us and change us into the image of Jesus Christ. That Christ may dwell in us and eternal life may be more evident and more prominent in us than a natural life. Yes. Hallelujah. When eternal life is living in us and is made more prominent, then people see Christ in you. Amen? So that's when you need to come to that place now, today, say it's no longer I that live it, but Christ in me. Amen? And now the life that you live by the faith of the Son of God in the flesh is only by the faith of the Son of God. That is by His determination, by His faith, by His seeking the Father and saying, I look towards salvation for this my child whom you are given. That's why he says, no one can pluck them out of my hand. Right? It's not an assurance that you won't be plucked out of his hand. It is his intervention that is forgiving you your sins and causing you to come to that place of understanding. It's him who's leading you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I know because I've been a Christian since 1987, uh, something like that. Okay? But I wasn't in any way near perfected. It took a lot of the Lord's doing and working in me to change me. So when I look back on my past, I think, boy, had I died like a few days after I got saved and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I probably would not have made eternal life because of the sins that are in me and the things that are still prominent and prevalent in me. But there comes the correction to my thinking that Christ died for me 
whilst I was a sinner. Okay, and my act of receiving Him as Lord and Savior, my faith, changed the paradigm for Him. Maybe not so much for me, but for Him. And then He takes the interest and He says, now I'm going to intercede on your behalf. I'm going to work on your behalf. I'm going to change you from glory to glory and bring you into the image of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. So now eternal life is working in us. Hallelujah. So if temporary life is ended, eternal life takes over. And we see it in the manifest glory of Jesus. So don't go around bashing yourself up. Okay? Receive Christ. Because now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk after the flesh but after the Spirit. So the Spirit is given to remove condemnation and to put us into that place where Christ can work in us and live in us. Now eternal life as I said to you was on our offer till Jesus came. Okay, you could you could only barely get by by the covering of the blood of bulls and goats. But Jesus Christ had to come for eternal life to be manifest and shown to the world that this is eternal life. This is the person. This is God. Eternal life. The person. It's not a place. It's not a state of being. It is an active, live person who, has, who can interact with you and cause you to come into eternal life. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to see this. What was not on offer? Till Jesus came. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purposes of Him who worked all things after the counsel of His own will. Now, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are earth, even in him. See here, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and on earth. So that which is in heaven are those who have gone before us into a place called heaven, but they have not yet met Jesus in His glory, in His gospel. So He goes to them and He preaches the gospel after His resurrection, so that they might be judged after the Spirit and not after the flesh. So Christ goes and takes into account what the law could not take into account, but only covered for a period of time. So Moses, Elijah, and Daniel, and Abraham, and all these people did not have eternal life till Jesus came, till they accepted Jesus as the true manifest God in the flesh, resurrected forever and ever to represent God all of the universe. That means angels, demons, 
elders, us on earth, all have to accept that now God is represented in the person of Jesus the Christ. The centrality of God now is Jesus. This is the importance of knowing who Jesus is. He said, come and sit with me and I will put, make your enemies to go under your feet. Then Jesus says, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So he's talking about two places of entire power, of absolute power that nobody, nothing can take away from him. Represented in the person of Christ who came to the earth and rose again, a man. Why does God want to represent him this way? It baffles me. I don't know. But he does. Angels are looking to what we know. They don't understand. It's very easy to lose sight of your relationship with God because you don't know how to fellowship with Him. You don't know how to treat Him. And maybe sometimes you're so scared of Him or that you don't even understand anything he has to say. That you don't have a relationship. So you create an image for yourself. And that's who you worship. And so you pray, but you get no answers. You do the works that he asks you to do, and you find yourself frustrated and depleted, and so on and so forth. But Christ in us, is eternal life. It never fades, it never becomes less. The glow of life in him never fades away. He's for eternal eternity. And that's what you've got to understand. Is that you are now in eternity. You are now in the eternal life of a person. What he says, what he thinks, and what he does is all eternal. Always has been. That's why he says, Thou, O God, art from everlasting to everlasting. There is no other God beside thee. I know of none. None of the others are everlasting. None of the others have life. You tell me what idol can give you life. You tell me what money can give you life. You tell me what human being can give you life. Yes. I know I prayed for life because as a drug addict and an alcoholic going mad, I needed life. But I didn't know the kind of life that I needed. I was seeking the natural life. I was seeking deliverance from these things so that I could live a normal earthly life like I saw other people live. But I did not realize that there was something else bigger and better and more eternal on offer. So I was rejecting Christ to, take, to say, no, I am after this life. I want this life. I want the peace of this life. I want the money of this life. I want the fun of this life. Not realizing what was on offer through Christ Jesus. And then when Christ came, 
manifested himself to me and came into my being, I began to realize. I didn't get all the information in one shot, and I began to realize, hey, listen, I'm dealing with something so huge, so immensely huge, that when I accepted Christ in 87, to now, in 2021, he's grown, he's lasted. He's not the same person I knew in 1987. He's vastly different. Though that person is still there in my spirit. It's my, my, my reference. But I keep getting new references to him. And I say, what are these references? These are aspects of eternal life being revealed to me and released to me so that I can embrace it and become part of it. The amazing thing about this concept of eternal life is that it has implications on the choices we make in life. Okay, so don't think that eternal life is automatic. It's not. Come with me to Matthew chapter 25. And verse 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So he's talking about people who, who did not care to hoots about the other person who was dying. So if you read the earlier passages, he says in 42, For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and you did not visit me in prison. Then they all, they, then shall they all also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So because we lived a selfish life, we only cared about I, me, and myself. We never bothered about the widows or the orphans or the ones on the street starving or you know, the ones in prison, in there they made a mistake, they deserve it, they need to go to prison. You know? But where is the forgiveness? Where is the going and ministering to them and saying, listen, there's someone who loves you, his name is Jesus. Okay? Do you care about him? See, I went and visited Joan Newborn yesterday. She's 94. She's in hospital with a respiratory problem. She's telling me, I want to go home. I said, you want to go home, Joe? And she said, yes, home, not this home. I want to go to that one, up there. So I said, maybe Dudley needs to join you at the same time. You see, this is assurance of eternal life. She's not afraid to die, because she knows where she's going. And this is why I wanted to impress upon you the choices you make in life. 
are important to Christ. You walk past a person in need, no matter what that need is, and you do not do the right thing by that person. You could be forsaking Christ. And you do it long enough, you don't care two words about anybody else. Just about yourself. And the world has become selfish. It has become all about I, me, and myself. Okay? Rebellious, disobedient, frivolous, fornicating, lying, cheating. That's all they bother about, drinking. You know? And he said, it shall be as in the days of Noah. Because they forsake eternal life. They said, no, there's no such thing. Choices are very, very important as I've preached before. Choices unto righteousness and choices unto unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts us when we make bad choices. But if we don't listen to the Holy Spirit and we say, no, I'm so going to go ahead. Then He just takes His hand on and lets you go down that road. So it's important to stop, get down on our knees and say, Holy Spirit, talk to me. He's a person. He's alive. He's the one who gives life. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So look at your mortal body. He's, he's the one. He's the Spirit of life. So if you want something concerning life, don't ask Him about this life. Ask Him about eternal life. Then He will begin to speak to you about what you're not doing in this life to gain eternal life. Don't ask him only for this life. I want a new car, a wife, a husband, money, job, you know, go here, go. No, don't ask him only that. He knows your needs. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why is he saying that? Because therein is eternal life. And when you get that, you get everything else. That's what the word says. So choices are very important. I remember in Long Reach. I was talking to a bunch of Baptist boys about eternal salvation. And they were convinced that once saved, always saved. They'd been taught. And they were arguing with me all night long. I went home and I was sleeping and I had a dream. And in the dream, I'm falling through the bottomless pit. And I cried out to God and I said, Lord, I'm falling through the bottom of the spirit. Can you help me? And I got no answer. And it just kept falling. You know what the bottom of the spirit is? It is a falling eternally. You're just going through this pit. On both sides are walls and darkness everywhere. And you are constantly falling without touching the ground. You will never touch the ground. That's the bottom of the spirit. That's where the devil is going. The bottom of the spirit for a thousand years. That's where many, many demons are already locked up, sealed. They're going to be released from the bottom of the spirit very soon. And they will come to attack you, attack the world, and to remove eternal life. And I said, Lord, I'm falling through this bottom of this pit. Aren't you going to help me? He said, yeah, I know you're falling. He said, I'm letting you fall because I want you to go and tell those boys 
not what say is always say. It is your choices. So the next day I went and I gave the information and one boy was so convicted of it that he said, I've been lied to all these years. See, when Jesus came and spoke to the Pharisees, they had a form of godliness. They had the temple, they had the oracles of God. They had all of those things. And yet Jesus said, you are like white old sepulchres. You're full of dead men's bones. You're going to hell. And those you go and convert are also going to hell. And they, you will be twice the child of hell because of it. So eternal life is not available to those who do not seek after it. It's not automatic. That's why I said to you, you need to seek this person of Christ. Let us come to the giver of eternal life in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 verse 54. Jesus is talking, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. <coughs> if you partake of communion, without understanding what Christ did for you on the cross, it's pointless. You're not eating a biscuit and drinking a little grape juice. You're taking part in his body and his blood that was offered to God as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, so that you and I could get eternal life. Now, over the years, as Christians, we do get depleted. Something happens, somebody dies in our family. You know, somebody leaves us, somebody rejects us, somebody offends us, something happens. Eternal life is being lost. It's being taken out of you. The Christ in you is being taken out of you because now suddenly the old man arises. Unforgiveness, hatred, bitterness, anger, frustration. I don't need God. And you turn your heart away from God and then you walk off because Christ in you is no longer effective. But then somewhere along the way, you get convicted of your sin. And you return back. And you come to church. And you sit down at the communion table. And you partake of communion. In, in a genuine repentance. In a genuine acceptance of what Christ did for you 2,000 years ago. And you realize that without Him you don't have eternal life. And that eternal life was depleted from you because of bitterness, anger, frustration, whatever. This is the opportunity for you to regain eternal life. What you lost. You think, oh, I'm going to have this life, it doesn't matter. No, you're not. Somewhere you lost it. You're in dire danger of being evicted completely. But God is interceding for you. Last Sunday, God was crying for this soul. 
Chris was crying, everybody was crying, I was crying, I don't know who else was crying. But in my spirit, I knew that there was someone there that needed salvation. And my spirit was crying, it's not me, it's my spirit. In the interaction with the Holy Spirit, crying for a soul. This is the second or third time it's happened to me in this church. Someone outside of the periphery of eternal life. It's not always that it happens. You see, if we are unconvicted by the Holy Spirit, and we just come and take communion whenever we want, we are desecrating eternal life. We have to take it seriously. We've got to come to that place of understanding we are partaking of His body and of His blood to get eternal life. That which was taken from us. So it's incumbent on us as Christians to seek it. To, to know what this life is, this eternal life is. Let's go to Romans chapter 2. It's our duty to seek it. Romans 2 verse 7. He's talking about giving every man his deeds in verse 6. And then in verse 7 he says, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. Patient and well-doing in the face, being patient and being a person who is doing well in the face of objections frustrations, difficulties in life is not easy. So when you are that way minded and you push through that which is against you, you are seeking eternal life. Why should I love you? You bug me, you bother me, you make my life difficult, why should I love you? Because God says, seek eternal life. So what am I seeking? I'm seeking Christ in you. I'm seeking Christ in you, for you. I'm being patient with you to seek Christ in you, for you. If I don't do it, somebody else will not do it. Because I've been designated that task to do it. So I fight for you in the privacy of my room with the devils. I fight, I pray, I intercede, I seek for you as a church. I cry out in the, in the midst of all my pain and anguish and anger and offense that comes to me. I'm seeking God for you. And I say, God, do I really have to do this? He says, yes, that's your task. Are you seeking eternal life? I said, I am. Then do it. So I have to do it. I have to put aside my prejudices. I have to put aside my objections. And I have to seek for the well-being of someone else. Many do not seek eternal life. They assume it. Or find the conditions of it too difficult to accept. And so they don't seek it. They think it's automatic. They, they, this concept of 
I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. You know, and they don't understand heaven is a place. Heaven is a place, it's not a person, it's not an eternal life. It's a place where eternal life is given to those who have made it through the gates. And then they are saying, oh, I, I'm going, I'm going. No, you're not. There are conditions to eternal life. You need to fulfill those conditions. Right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. You say, no, but why are you preaching this message now? As I said to you before, God is interested. You know the cry came from value or through that. God is searching, seeking. He's trying to find somebody who will walk righteously with him. So what God, am I not walking righteously with you? That you should say such a word on Sunday morning in the church? He says, sir, if I showed you your unrighteousness, you might have a heart attack in that. So that means it's a warning that you need to seek you need to seek what God is seeking in you. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? You see, this guy was seeking eternal life. He knew there was something called eternal life. He was a good law keeper. He kept the law from his youth. But then he realized there was something called eternal life that he needed to have. And he came to Jesus because Jesus was talking about eternal life. And he said, what do I have to do to gain it? And he said, take up your cross and follow. So the seeking that brings you to the cross and the cross decides what you must do. But at the cross, it becomes difficult because the conditions are hard to handle. And then you said, oh no, maybe not. And he said, no, I can't. Because he had too much in the way of material wealth. He said, I can't give that. To him, he translated taking up his cross and following Jesus as giving up his material wealth. But that's not what it means. For him it was. He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Jesus is not after the material wealth. So some people say, you have to leave everything and follow me. But to others he won't say it. But it's still a cross for you. Because you have to make a decision whether you're going to follow the world and pursuits of the world or you're going to follow Christ. And seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and seek after eternal life. So the Bible talks about these things but we don't sit down and study it to know what it's saying. Let's go to John chapter 12. And verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So eternal life can be kept by releasing yourself from this world. You must seek it. Now let's have a look at John. 17.3 And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
no ease. Right? What is knowing thee? Paul wrote it for us in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I leave behind all my accolades. I also leave behind all my sins. Everything that was in the past, I leave it behind. Now I am seeking to know Him. And the power of His resurrection. Philippians 3.10 I want to know Him. Why doesn't He know Him? Doesn't He know Him already? Don't you already know Jesus? See, you're already knowing Jesus has stopped you seeking to know Him more. Yeah, I know Him. But the same familiarity that you use every time in your prayers and in the reading of the Word and in the way you interact with one another does not gain you more knowledge. That's why in Ephesians 1.17 he says that the eyes of your understanding be open and that God may give you the spirits of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Now the Jesus that you knew on earth is no longer the Jesus that you know. He is the one who is seated in the heavenly places, ruling and reigning over everything. And you're looking at the earth and you're saying, but there's famine, there's wars, there's disasters, there's chaos, there's confusion. What about that? Well, I pray that God opens your eyes and that you see Jesus seated on the throne. Then you have no problems. Then you can honestly say, no worries, man. Yes. Right? Until you see that, you're going to live your despair. You're going to live your sorrow. We must get to know Him. Get to know the one who has risen and is seated upon the throne. Somebody was saying to me yesterday, Oh, you know, I've got this problem. And they said, Ah, man, come on, give it a rest. Right? Oh, this thing happened many years ago. I said, yes, and you are entertaining it. And now something seven times worse is going to get in. I said, are you not a child of God? Are you not saved and washed in the blood of the Lord? But you are equating perfection to your state of being upon the earth. But you are not perfect unless Christ makes you perfect. So it is our endeavor, it is our search for perfection that God is honored in. That in spite of all the attacks of the enemy and the objections of the world, we still seek God. So that's what God is honoring. It's not what happened 60 years ago. Come on, give it a rest. Give it a rest. Things aren't going my way. Things aren't going my way. If I told you all the things that didn't go my way, you'll be like me without hair. Right? But I walked through it. I, I went to the granite block and I said, You will move, mountain. Because I know my Christ, but my Christ did not come running to help me. He did not come out of the heavens with his angels and when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, they come to take him to crucify him. He said, I can call down twelve legions of angels right now. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. 
that the Lord of gods, the Lord of lords, the one with all power, is now being crucified by his own people. His own creation is destroyed. Now I said to the Grand Lord, you have to move. I keep saying it every day. To every grand block that comes before me, I say to And I say to the Lord, I don't care. Whether you save me or you don't save me, whether you deliver me or you don't deliver me, whether you heal me or you don't heal me, I am not letting you go. And the devil can't take me, take you away from me. Because I'm not letting you go. No matter what happens, I don't care. And I, as I said to you, the woes and the sorrows are many. They're never easy. Nobody said it would be easy. But I'm after eternal life. I know that once I leave this earth, there's no coming back. There's no coming back. And I don't want to end up in that pit of hell where I was plucked out of. And Jesus showed me that. I don't want to go back there. That was an eternity of hell. I don't want to go where Jesus is. I must play you a song. I don't have it here today, but he says, but when he walked into heaven, what happened? An amazing song. And you know, we need to come to that place where we begin to understand who this person of Jesus is that we worship. We must get to know him. Romans 6.23 All aspects of obtaining eternal life. Romans 6.20 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life comes through keeping sanctity, being sanctified, saying no to sin in whatever form it comes. We were once that way, but we are no longer that way. We may struggle to say no, but we have the power to say no. Amen? So let that power that is in you do far more exceedingly abundantly than you can even pray. And then the Holy Spirit in you will start to work because you are giving Him leeway. And you understand that eternal life has far more greater power than anything you can even imagine. And it does the work that it was meant to do when He gave you eternal life. Do not sin. Do not go deliberately and sin. And I know in our minds we often think of fornication and lies and deceptions and those sorts of things. But you might want to do something that's contrary to the word of God. That is sin. Don't do anything contrary to the word of God. It's easy to do it. In a moment you can lose it. Many, many come and say, Master, in a moment I lost it. Restoration is very hard. Believe me. Restoration is hard. You'll get forgiveness if you repent. But climbing out of that pit of where you once fell becomes highly dependent on you 
becomes highly dependent on you. Say, God, where did I make a mistake? See, for foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you started in the spirit and ended up in the flesh. Now you believe the law, not the spirit of God and His grace and His mercy. What happened? Someone along the way took off and went and did things our own way and sinned. Let's go to Jude 1.21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy. So, what are the sure mercies of David? Can anyone tell me? You know what God promised David? You say, yeah, he promised him a king, he promised his, his, his uh, lineage of God and all. But the Bible talks about the sure mercies of God. There is nothing more than eternal life. The sure mercies of God is eternal life. Father, I bow myself to you, that you may give me eternal life. I don't assume Comes. They're coming to the throne room of grace when you need mercy, when you need help in time of need. But do we go there with the rah 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 and talking in tongues and jumping up and down and prophesying and carrying on? He says, No, don't come in there like that. Humble yourself. Give me the petitions you want in humility. And then get the mercy and the grace. Say, God, I can't change this scenario. How am I to change it? I need your mercies. The mercies could be revelation. The mercies could be knowledge. The mercies could be Him acting on my behalf. Right? His grace, His mercy, they're all very different things. In the aspect of keeping eternal life and choosing it for the sake of having it and then enjoying it. Let's finish by saying this. You cannot buy eternal life. Many, many Christians are trying to do it. Trying to buy eternal life by works, by trying to be good. You know, the first thing you've got to do if you want eternal life is accept who you are. The person that you are has to be accepted. When you accept the person that you are, you can change and become the person that Christ wants you to be. Because now you know the difference between who you are and who you should be. So you choose the path to who you should be. That is the path of eternal life. Therein are the sure mercies of David. I choose that. I know who I am. I know the kind of person I am. But since you have given me eternal life, I choose it. 
Now I make the journey towards eternal life, that is you, but there is an opposition that's pulling me back toward the old life. I said, no, no more the old life. I keep going, but it's a struggle, it's a battle, and that's where spiritual warfare comes in. Because the enemy knows the closer you get to Christ, the greater danger you're going to be for his kingdom. You know, I want to say something in finishing. Many of us in this church and outside are not pursuing what God has given them. You know what? Because the devil has taken up. He has deviated your mind and he has told you other things and he said, no, choose this way. It's an easier way. Do you know the devil lives in the church? He's very comfortable. Like in the old days, they used to say he wears a three-piece suit. We've lost much in this church because people don't want to choose God. They have chosen the world, they've chosen man, they've chosen self over everything else. And that's the danger. That's why I keep fighting for it. I keep fighting for it. And I keep fighting for it. I said, no, I want what God has given me. And I'm going for it. And the day is coming when it will come closer to Christ. And there will be more glory. There will be more Christ and more power. We can have revival. I tell you, we can have revival. We can have the glorious presence of the Lord here. And tomorrow, it will mean nothing. Because of the conditions that will come after that. Ah, it's too much, man. I can't do it. They had revival in Argentina. 23 hours a day. They only stopped for one hour to change the toilet paper. To fill the toilet with toilet paper. The daily baptisms were in the thousands. Yeah. Salvations were in the thousands. The miracles were in the thousands. 23 hours a day they had meetings. For 14 years they had revival because of one man. We need it. Yeah. And we don't need it just from one man, we need it from all of us. Yes. You need it. You need a revival in your home. You need a revival in your Christianity. You need a revival in your understanding of God. Because who knows tomorrow whether your life will be here or not. We don't. And that's why I believe God is telling you to speak about this today. Eternal life. Confounded by what are supporting to me out there in the morning. Eternal life. It's not a place. It's a person. Seek Him. Your life will change. Don't worry about what's going on around you. They have to be dealt with, no doubt. But seek Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. If you have an issue this morning that you need deliverance from, healing, some other thing in your mind, your spirit, I just want you to, where you are, open your heart to Jesus. And say, Lord, become real to me. Be real to me this morning. 
and thank him for his love for you. That he seeks to intercede on your behalf. And he will send you the sure mercies of David. That your continuity upon this earth may be well. And that you may enter in through the pearly gates. When your time comes up. Lord bless us this morning. And grant to us the petitions of our hearts according to your will for each one of us and that we may bow to that will, we might submit to that will and resist the devil, that he might flee from us. We thank you that we have the power to say no to the devil just like Jesus did in the wilderness three times. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Help your people this morning and prepare them for what is coming ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings. If you have any other need or want prayer, come. If not, please stay and have a cup of coffee.